box, a box of chocolates Would I know to stay away? Oh, I said, Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday at 6.30. And today we're looking at the mighty green pepper, I believe it is. Because it's, how would you put it, it is one small step for a side salad and one giant leap for school lunches. And uh, I have somebody here to explain what I'm babbling about here. In fact, this is Alyssa. Hello. Hello. Alyssa is the executive director of The Agrarian Adventure. And you've been on the show before. Always enjoy talking to you. But for those who might not know about The Agrarian Adventure, could you describe it a little bit? Yes. We're a small nonprofit locally based in Ann Arbor, and we work in partnership with public schools. And our mission is to enrich the the health of our students. And we do that by not just looking at um, what they're we do that by food. I guess I forgot that part because we're on this important. show. Yeah. Yes, food is the the main vehicle for learning, um, and we're looking at it from not just students' personal health and what they're putting in their bodies and what that does to them personally, but also the environmental and um, social and community impacts that that has. So we do a lot of school gardening um, and hands-on food education and food system health education. So you have basically a garden, and while a lot of schools, or I don't know how many schools really, have gardens as an extra extracurricular activity, the Agrarian Adventure is involved in a garden at Tappan. Yeah, we've been based out of Tappan, and um, and yeah, sorry. I like oh yeah, no, we're good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so basically, something big has happened with the Agrarian Adventure. It's been in the works for how long, actually? Um, two thousand and three is when the planning first began, and we've been um really underway in the since the fall of 2004 but a good year of solid planning <laughs> planning so, and building with um all the different stakeholders including students and teachers and administrators and community members so from having a garden and uh, food activities and food education to now taking the food and putting it somewhere very cool and could you tell us about that starting tomorrow right Starting tomorrow, yeah. Um, if you are not, for those of you who are listening, if you're not familiar at all, um, there is a, a strong push across the country and regionally as well here in southeastern Michigan to um, increase the amount of local foods that are served in the school lunch. And that's one way um, to accomplish a lot of goals, which in no um, trying to think how to say one big goal is to actually get healthier, fresher food into the cafeterias. But there's a lot of other outcomes that come along with that, including um, the local economy and supporting local farmers and the local community. And then all the different educational links that can come with that, um, both through the classroom and just through the um, through the cafeteria, actually. So we've been a part of a real collaborative effort that has been a long time coming with a lot of organizations and people um, in a lot of different, from a lot of different areas and with varied interests working together to help make this possible. So you didn't even say what it was. So here it is. Here it's it coming. is. So, <laughs> no. Um, so this tomorrow is going to be the first day in the Ann Arbor area where we'll be featuring um, local foods and 
um, in the school lunches. In the school lunches. Yeah. And like you said, it mm. is it is one small step for a side salad. Um, it's not going to be that all of a sudden this lunch is tremendous or all of a sudden everything is better. But um, you got to start small. And, and this is actually an enormous, enormous step because there is um, a number of hurdles and obstacles to getting this kind of thing done that has to do with the schools and the area and our whole food system. And well, so... Yeah, schools, I have a feeling, probably spend a whole lot of time coming up with lots of systems and how they feed the kids, how they herd the kids into the place to feed them and all of those things. So to change school lunches, that's kind of a big thing. And what you're doing is you're bringing, is it green peppers this Friday? You know, this is also an educational work in progress, (laughs) which is, um, yes, it was going to be green peppers that were going to be in all of the school lunches on the salad bar um, and in the prepared salads, depending on what level of school you were at. And then um, and then when it comes down to it, the availability for that, even though that seemed like it was what was going to be possible, well, the farmers didn't have that this oh, week. Okay. And so we learn about um, what grows here and what's available and you know where our strengths and weaknesses are in the community as far as um, transportation and getting actually food to institutions, which is... Um, very challenging because of a lot of factors. So I think it is actually going to be melons. And, melons, okay. Um, Yum. Yes, different yeah, different <laughs> kinds of local melons, and this is the perfect time for it. We've had tons of rain, um, so they're really sweet and delicious this year. Wow. So there are going to be melons made available to all the Ann Arbor Public Schools? Is that That's correct? what we're hoping for, but um, this is the first, you know, it's, <laughs> this is the first shot, and that's what we're hoping for, Yeah. That's um, and I just I just want to say too, because for people who aren't familiar, that um, this is something that's happening in the Ann Arbor area, but um, there is also a lot of a lot of things happening in other areas, and um, there's you know a number of collaborators. So we're just one of the partners on this team. There's um, an organization called FSEP, the Food System Economic Partnership, um, that's really been taking the lead regionally and. Um, also working with Chelsea Public Schools and um, the Henry Ford Academy. So there's different models of um, the way the food gets to the kids in those schools. So it's a pilot project of of broader scope that is also collaborative. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, just a a lot of working, a lot of teamwork. <laughs> yeah, a lot. It's a lot of, in a way, it's it's creating a whole new system to change the system, something like that. It, it uh, yeah, actually, that's a good way to say yeah. it. And um, for people who are interested, the this happens because people care about it, and a lot of the things that go into making this possible is creating a demand. So if you are a parent in a school and you're interested in seeing school lunches take a more fresh. Um, more healthy approach than your voice and is really powerful in addition to community voices and student voices, teacher voices. Um, so it's really a lot of people who are just pushing that, that ball up the slope um, that know that this is what's best for everybody. You know, it's really a win-win on all sides. So there's a lot of room for uh, more more voices. <laughs> <laughs> How you can get involved with agrarian adventure? That's the question. How do you get involved? Oh, with us, you can get involved. Um, there's a million opportunities, and the best thing to do would be actually to send an email and or check out our website. And um, agrarian is kind of still it's kind of an old word, so I'll spell it. It's actually um, www.agrarian a g r a r i a n 
adventure.org. So you can send us an email and we'll add you on to our, our volunteer list. And, um, you know, we keep opportunities as much as we can to mm-hmm. <laughs> advance up on the website. And um, I can also direct you to involvement with the farm to school movement wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So this is, uh, how does it feel that you had this a grain adventure, you started a plot of land at Tappan Middle School? Is it Tappan Middle School? Yes, yes, that's right. And first it was dirt, and then there were seeds and all of that. And there was a lot of planning, a lot of meetings, a lot of networking with other food organizations and things. And there still is. And there's still a lot a lot to do and <laughs> a lot of meetings. That's how things get done. Yeah. yeah. And now you've got melons, fresh melons going into Ann Arbor's public schools. I believe there are 60 public schools in Ann Arbor. I heard some number to that effect. And I actually think it's less than that, but oh, okay. it is it is a lot. Quite I a actually few. thought it yes, we'll we'll stick with quite a few. Maybe yeah, quite a <laughs> you few. You can look it up. It's on the Ann Arbor I, schools authoritatingly, website. We can authoritatingly say it's quite a few. Yeah, I think it's actually I was going to say 32, but that's half of what you thought, so I'm second guessing myself. I don't know what I mean <laughs> anyway. But uh, so melons this week and then next week you're going for another fresh fruit or vegetable. Yeah, and, the the hope is that um, the yeah, the, the hope is that every Friday that there will be a farm fresh item featured and um it's a learning process for the food service provider, Chartwells, and for the schools, for the staff who's dealing with this, for the volunteers who are helping offer um, samplings and giving out, you know, um, basically doing promotion around these kinds of foods because it, a, lot of, a lot of food is really unusual. Fresh fruits and vegetables aren't necessarily a common thing for um, for students, kale, kale, kale. is oh, necessarily well I'm not even sure if we'd try kale for a <laughs> while, but even the the basics are still a little unusual, and they're not used to seeing them on the lunch line. And um, so there's there's a lot of education that needs to happen around around food choices and and what these foods are and why they might want to eat them and that they might be good and why would this be different than what's driven 2,000 miles across the country? Right. Um, so there's there's a lot there. I forgot just what your last prompt was to um, go back to. I don't to. know. I th- well, let's see. Let's try this. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of farmers contributing to yeah. this. Yes. Um, From how far away? I mean, what sort of range are we talking about? Um, the range is um, local. That's actually something that's a constant issue around all across the country. You know, what does local actually mean? Um, for the Food System Economic Partnership, their pilot project that's... Um, been going is going right now. Their local definition is in the five county area in southeastern Michigan. Okay. And don't ask me to name all the five counties right now. Washtenaw is probably one of them. Yes, yes Washtenaw is yes. one of them. So the southeastern Michigan five core counties. Okay. But um, the reality is that a lot of the bigger farms that actually are able to um, to provide an amount that is going to make it so that in a school district as large as Ann Arbor. Um, make it so that they can actually provide it for one whole day to all the schools is that you, we at first need to consider possibly farms that are outside that area, but the core is definitely Southeastern Michigan. And I don't think there's any plans for, um, that's pretty much where it's at. Okay. <laughs> that's our local <laughs> for now. But I think in the, in the big picture that there might need to be times where we go a little farther for the sake of, of learning and and supplying what we can, 
you know, we have to be flexible. Yeah. <laughs> but so now providing these fresh foods that are actually from the area in the, the children's lunches, I'm curious to find out what their response is going to be to that, because I know you've had a lot of young people involved with the Agrarian Adventure, very enthusiastic people who love to get their hands dirty and grow stuff and then realize that what they've grown is something that they can eat and make salads out of and make other delicious dishes out of. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting, too. I'm part of the part of what makes this such a challenging thing to be working on is that um, we're working in a climate where schools are pretty stressed out and they're really busy. And so we don't necessarily the whole way we structure our school day where kids are eating and, you know, 15 minutes flat and, you know, it's very rushed and it's a pretty intense environment. And it's also socially for kids who, especially who are in middle school and high school, it's um, what your what your the people next to you are doing is really important. And it's not what they're eating is probably important. Or what um, you're well, eating. Well, what is cool is definitely yeah. important. So, um, I think what the kids will think of it, for the most part, I imagine it's going to be really positive. Um, I The school newspapers that I read are always complaining about the lunches, and <sighs> um, and I'm I'm constantly surprised at the things that, that young people really love to eat but didn't know they would love to eat because we've already decided that they're not going to eat healthy food because kids don't like healthy food. Or, yeah. Um, and then part of it they're is... They're not going to buy it anyway, blah, right. blah, blah. Part yeah. of it is what's fresh and... And it's also just habitual. So when you have a chance to, you know, try something new, you try it once, you know, maybe you hate it, but then you try it again. It's not so scary to try it again. Well, maybe your friend says it's okay. You try it again. And then maybe you realize that, that it actually, you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, they're every, we're, we're much more intuitive than we give credit for, I think at all ages. <laughs> yeah. So so that's that's exciting news that the agrarian adventure is a part of an effort to put local food into Ann Arbor public school lunches mm-hmm. every Friday, and it begins tomorrow with melon. Different it's, kinds of melon. I think just watermelon. Okay, well that that's sounds my good, sources though. say <laughs> it's watermelon, but um, you know, we'll, we'll find s- out. We we yeah. we will find out, and we'll just keep moving along. So every Friday. It will get better and okay. easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alyssa, thanks so much for coming on to Pandora's Lunchbox and talking to us about that. Thanks for having me. It's and, been great. And we'll have to keep in touch about what's how that's going. I sure hope so. I'd love to get a student on here to find out more accurately, well, what do they think? Right. <laughs> what is going on? What's the buzz? We'll definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you, Alyssa, from the executive director of the Agrarian Adventure. And you're listening to Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And we're going to listen now to uh, a singer who definitely needs some fresh local food at this point. In my garden grew a chrysanthemum And a daffodil and geranium I can grow anything but a sugar plum I'm a green thumb, so they say In my garden grew a weed one day Which gave off the smell of new moon hay It was pretty, so I let it stay I'm a green thumb all the way Well, it blossomed, so what could I do? I clipped off its leaves, but it grew and grew. Now my garden's gone to pot, it's true. 
come what may. So with tea time, I have gingerbread, and my brownies look quite green instead. At the county bank, oh, I'm ahead. Has my green thumb gone astray? It's the swingiest garden, you must admit. And it turns me on just to think of it. I was really square with that flower bit. But my green thumb saved the day. I'm a green thumb all the way. Yes, my green thumb saved the day. Oh my goodness. That's all you can say. That's Mrs. Miller and Green Thumb. Did she make green brownies in that song? I'm trying to remember. It's all it seems like a hallucinogenic memory listening to that song. It it's this is Pandora's lunchbox and I can't say any more about that. But anyway, there's some very uh surprising surprising to me news. Maybe some people in the area in Ann, in the Ann Arbor area are not surprised, but the Jefferson Market is closing for good apparently on October 1st. The market in on Jefferson Street near the Box School in the west side of Ann Arbor. It was announced this week that the place will close on October 1st. It's been in the area in some car- incarnation or another since 1924. And so a unique Ann Arbor institution sadly seems to be going away. And Gene Henry, who who is the owner, told the Ann Arbor News recently that the condition of Michigan's economy and the time commitment to run a low-margin business like a grocery are the biggest reasons the market hasn't been bought yet. It's been on the market, so to speak, for about a year and has not been sold. But it is most definitely very much alive and there right now. I went there the other day and I had uh, a Cubano sandwich. And it's described here as slow-cooked shredded pork, prosciutto, homemade pickled jalapeno, homemade aged Gouda cheese, and aioli pressed and grilled on a baguette. Oh, I didn't look look up what aioli is. If somebody in the other room knows what an aioli is, run in and tell me. But I also had sweet potato fries with raita, and I did actually have the presence of mind to look up raita. It is a condiment from South Asia that's based on yogurt and is used as a sauce or a dip, and that was in fact the case. We had the sweet potato fries dipped in the dip there. It's seasoned with cilantro, cumin, mint and cayenne pepper and other herbs and spices generally vegetables like cucumber and onions are mixed in it's served chilled it has a cooling effect on the palate which makes it a good foil for spicy indian dishes southern indian cuisine such as that found in the bangalore region often uses finely chopped or diced carrots mixed with dahi yogurt that was not the case however at jefferson market they had a good raita with the with the sweet potato fries and the cupano that i had there so there it is, the Jefferson Market closing on October 1st, Sigh. And I went there, and in their window they had, in stand-up red letters, one side it said, going out of, then you had the door, and on the other window it said, business ale. There's an S missing, so going out of business ale. And I thought, well, that's something you could make. You could actually brew a going out of business ale, although probably there isn't much of a future in that. Nonetheless, the place is going away, and I'm so sorry to see that, but they're around until October 1st. And I went in there the other day, and it's funny that it kind of reminded me a little of Drake's, the late, great Drake's sandwich shop. 
the, the old nature of the lovely old building and something about the green shade on some of the walls, the unusual eating experience, the the stainless steel-looking kitchen and the white brickish tiles above the grill and all that. There's a thank you note to customers saying the place has been around since 1924. And they, they mentioned that they're going to put some Jefferson Market pictures on the windows from people's memories and stuff. So that's the story on the Jefferson Market. I just wanted you to know that. Right now, though, I'd like to talk a little bit. Actually, uh, Arwolf, do you have uh, any thoughts about that? Or are you just... Uh, Arwolf has come in to help us to face the music. And uh, hello. Oh, sounds like you're already doing that. It's, uh, it's very sad. And I was just thinking of the Anne Beret apartments that were torn down that were next to the uh, the hot dog joint on East U. You know, those old apartments. Hmm. I mean, they were sorely in need of, uh, of renovation, but it's uh, it just it's kind of hard to watch change happen with some of these uh, beloved old structures. I'm just hoping that somebody will step forward and um, do something similar with Jefferson Market. Because that would be it's, terrific. It's so ideal. I think it's just a beautiful space. So thank you for commemorating it. Yes, definitely. And it is hard in this retail market to sell things, period. So hopefully somebody will do something wonderful with it, as it's been wonderful. Where else can you get a Cubano sandwich and uh, sweet potato fries and toys? Yeah. And a little little eraser shaped like peanuts. And toilet paper. Toilet paper. Yeah. And uh, newspapers. Yeah, where else can you get that? So there it is. Jefferson Market still around doing well, but it's got a couple of weeks, it seems. Mm. And... Well, I'll have to catch up on Delat and Ypsilanti, by the way, too, because that they announced they were selling about a year and a half ago, and they're still there. So mm-hmm. maybe they're having a hard, hard time selling, but that Vietnamese restaurant, Delat, on Michigan Avenue in Ipsy, is still around. So we'll just have to keep up with all of these things here on Pandora. Now, in the meantime, I'm going to play this real quick. This is Ann Peebles, and this is 99 Pounds, and there is relevance. Uh, I'll get to that in a moment. Here we go. Thank you, Ann Peebles. 99 pounds of natural-born goodness, or otherwise 44.5 kilograms of natural-born love, 7.7, sorry, 7.07 stone of goodness, depending on your measurement there. Now, I don't, I don't suppose those are nearly as sexy unless you have a decimal fetish, but that's another subject for another show. Here's the news, though, out of England. There has been a controversy in England and the European Union because... Although many countries on the continent of Europe have gone completely metric, England, uh, the United Kingdom never went completely metric. It's about half metric and about half imperial. So hence people drinking pints of lager 
and walking, you know, I would walk 500 miles, you know, that sort of thing. So here's the deal. The European Union was actually... Here, here's the story from the Associated Press. The European Union, European Commission has ditched its attempt to impose the metric system on Ireland and Britain, where a grocer was once convicted of selling bananas by the pound rather than the kilo. European rules drafted in 1999 aimed to phase out imperial measures such as miles and pints by 2009. But the EU's executive body decided on a U-turn this Tuesday in face of public opposition. The decision honors the culture and traditions of Great Britain and Ireland, which are important to the European Commission, said Gunter Verhugen, the EU's industry policy commissioner. Under the EU decision, they can maintain miles on road signs and pubs may continue to serve draft beer and pint mugs. Pint-sized milk bottles will also be retained, along with the troy ounce for weighing precious metals. Other goods must already be sold. Other goods must already be sold in metric quantities. Although traders can also display imperial equivalents. So, Britain got their way, and if you and Ireland, and if you go to Metric Martyrs, I believe it is metricmartyrs.co.uk, you can find out about the royal pardon petition that's been signed by the widow of a metric martyr. The petition calling for a royal pardon was launched by Leigh Thoburn, the widow of Sunderland greengrocer and metric martyr Steve Thoburn, at their shop in Southwick, Sunderland. The call for the royal pardon follows the monumental victory for metric martyrs as the European Commission and the government abandon enforced metrication program. The call for a royal pardon represents the final chapter in an almighty David versus Goliath struggle, which saw Steve Thoburn prosecuted by Sunderland City Council under the metrication regulations. Steve tragically died at the age of 39, taking the criminal conviction for selling bananas by the pound to the grave with him. This is a very strange world we live in, and I just think that you ought to know that as as these things go. Pandora's Lunchbox is running a little low on fuel, but that that means it's time for Face the Music to run high on fuel, and that's in a second. But first to note that consumer groups in Italy have called a one-day pasta strike today. There is a one-day pasta strike in Italy, so if you're going to fly there tonight to get some pasta and come home, forget about it. They're protesting the rising cost of food, especially the beloved Italian staple, pasta. Just so you know. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox for at least a half hour. I've been Mike. Thank you, Alyssa, from Agrarian Adventure. Thank you, Gene Henry, from the wonderful Jefferson Market. And thank you for listening. Coming up soon, we're going to hear some music from outside of a Chinese restaurant. Am I correct? Inside. Inside a Chinese restaurant. Our wolf is yes, yes, yes. Here we go. Yeah, among other things, you will hear Lenny Tristano and his quartet with Lee Konitz. Uh, live in the sing-song room of the Confucius Restaurant in New York in June of 1955. But we have to work our way there. Yes, we do. And coming up, we will do that in just a second. Thank you for tuning in, and you can get refill plates up at the, at the buffet. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I've been Mike, and this has been Julia Lee. My man stays out late at night when he comes home, he holds me tight And that's what I like Yes, that's what I like Make love to me, Daddy Cause that's what I like He runs around with this gal and that But when he wants love and he knows where I'm at And that's what I like Yes, that's what I like Make love to me, Daddy, cause that's what I like. 